0: MX Network Production.
1: Welcome to the Pulp Hockey Show with Ray Ferraro and Steve Mathis. Support the show by clicking the Amazon banner on PulpHockey.com before shopping. Follow the show on Twitter at Pulp Subscribe on iTunes and find us on Stitcher or your favorite podcast app.
0: Welcome, everybody, to another edition of Paul Hockey Podcast with the great Ray Ferraro from TSN. Thanks for listening, everybody. Appreciate it. Get it on iTunes. Get it on Stitcher. And, uh, yeah, lots of times, uh, lots of places to get it to. PaulPocky.com as well. Please leave a review. And uh, tell us what you think, rate the, rate, the, rate the show, good or bad, either one, we'll take it. Don't forget, uh, use the code FERRARO20 on two under, the number two UNDR, the best men's underwear, men's underwear out there. A lot of NHLers run it, and uh, so should you. Check them out, please. And again, use the code FERRARO20 to save with those guys. With me on the line, a veteran of 18 years in the NHL, over 400 goals, now is the leading color analyst on TSN, as well as NBC Sports. The great Ray Ferrar, what's up Ray? How are you?
2: Uh I'm I'm good. I'm tired, you know, like, you know, nobody wants to hear anybody bitch about the work schedule, but I'm I'm, you know, I'm going to tell you. You know, like I, mm-hmm. I I had the Leafs game last Thursday and uh had to get up on about 3 hours sleep to make a connection through Chicago to get home so I didn't miss the whole weekend for my family and then mm-hmm. my 10-year-old had four soccer games in 2 days and then I got on the red eye Sunday night and flew to Detroit last night for Ottawa uh, and Detroit, which was an awesome game. And then I uh, jumped on a flight this morning, and I'm in Toronto, and I'm exhausted. I don't sound as bad as you do, by the way. Yeah. And um, I am uh, got Leafs and Caps tonight. So huge week. Awesome last week of the season. Like so much jockeying for position, mm-hmm. even though most of the playoff spots have been pretty well locked in. But, you know, the East, which is you know the is basically the Atlantic division is uh, is still still got some some movement possible for sure.
0: Yeah, I've I've got a head cold like no other. I've gone Vegas, Indy, Vegas, Detroit, Vegas, St. Louis in the last 3 weeks. I think the temperature change and the lack of sleep has finally caught up to me. So
2: Yeah, eventually your body always just says, "Okay, you think you're a tough guy, do you?" Yeah, yeah
0: right. long you lose. It's odd because lost. it's odd because I'm in such great shape and everything that you are for a 68 year old guy you are in unbelievable (laughs) shape hey uh today on the podcast coming up jeff o'neill from tsn's overdrive former nhler um how did you get o-dog to come on like to to have time and figure I mean, how did you get him to come on the show good job
2: well actually it was it was remarkably easy you know like when he locks in he's like He's like, yeah, I can do that, sure. So, of course, okay. we were going to do it yesterday, but my schedule was no good. Right. So, But today, so today it worked. And, but the thing with O is, like, he's going a million miles an hour everywhere. Like, even when he doesn't have to. Right. He, and and I don't know, like, Noodles McLennan yep. is, is one of the most organized humans on the planet. Right. And Jeff is not. But we locked him in. So if we yeah. could find him... If we can find him on the phone, right. I think we're going to bring this home.
0: I almost and didn't. he is,
2: yeah. for. Hey, by the way, and for people that don't know, oh, what a, what an incredible character! Yeah, yes, like a lot a lot of guys get on TV or on the radio and they play a character. He mm-hmm. plays Jeff O'Neill. Right, like he's the same off the air as he is on the air. <laughs> it's really it's really like like working with him is a, is a
0: unintended comedy. Show. Right, right. Is there catch up on that? He's really good at what he does. <laughs> he's he's great. He's I listen overdrive quite a bit and uh he's a passionate Leafs fan. He doesn't hide it like you said. So it's going to be great. Hopefully he'll uh, he'll open up on the on the podcast. So he can he, he can swear too if he wants to.
2: Yeah, you know, I don't know if he's uh I would say I swear more than he does. Yeah. Um and so I I try, you know, I try to,
0: you know, keep it somewhat right respectable. So I've got the Vegas Golden Knights guy on me right now, Ray. Um, I put a season ticket. I put a half season ticket deposit down when they first announced. I'm, I'm really busy, but I love the game and it's awesome. They're coming to, to the to the league here, and the guy. So I put a half season down. The guy calls me. He's like, "Okay, so here's your seats." And shocking, they're not exactly where where I thought they would be when 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 I when I put the deposit down. But you know, whatever. He's like. If you want to get into these sections that, that I'm like thinking I was promised anyways, he's like, "I can get you in these, but only if you commit to a full season. And it's about, oh, It's about 800 bucks cheaper, you, know, if you prorate it, like half season to, to full season. But I'm busy, man. I don't know if I, I can't do a full season. Like, what okay, do I so, do?: you
2: know you know, what that, you know what that sounds like? That sounds like when you go to a store mm-hmm. and you buy a bunch of stuff you don't need. But you tell yourself it was okay because it, it was 40% It was right
0: fr- cheaper, right.
2: You know, and you're like, but 40% of something I didn't need means 60% that uh, yes. I already paid. Yes. If you buy yes. the full season, you just outlined
0: what your last three weeks are like, you were yeah. going through zero games. I know. And then he said, he goes, you, can, you know, you just sell the games off that you can't go to. But that seems like oh, a pain sure. in the ass. Right. Ask ask him if he would buy them from you. <laughs> Can you guarantee me if
2: you could take these tickets? So if he'll buy them at face value, I think you should do it. Right. If not, I I think you should you know yeah. I think you should see how the half season goes like yep. for yourself. Because yeah. I know you're going to want to buy a full, a full season anyway.
0: Yeah. 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 I but do.
2: You got to see how it goes, and if work gets in the way, man, you, you know you Dude, can't watch the game from it's from
0: a, Europe. It's a real <laughs> it's a real commitment for a full season. I mean, it is for real. Yeah. You know, so I don't think I don't know how many people really do it,
2: intending to go to forty-one home games anymore. Yeah. I think they, yeah. you know, a lot a lot of my friends in Vancouver that have season tickets, they have like a group of five or six families. Yep, and they all kind of divvy them up at the start of the year, and so you get, you know, somewhere between eight and twelve home games, and and that's way more manageable financially yeah. and schedule-wise. I mean, everybody's busy, right? Who's got yeah. No. We've got 41 days when you're like, yeah, I'm going to lock in, and my whole entertainment for the year is going to be going to hockey games. You, know, you might want to go to a movie.
0: Well, we do live in Once Vegas, watch, lots of yeah. things to do. So, um, But he did say that if I commit it to the full season, besides the savings, I get a really killer deal on any Golden Knights merch, and I'm like, yeah, I don't need any because, you know, I'm not a Golden Knights well, fan. I'm a Maple Leaf fan. But,
2: yeah, but, but here's the other thing. How much merchandise are you going to buy? Once you buy two hats, are you going to buy seven? <laughs> no. Right. Right. You only got one head. So, you know, I don't know. Like stuff like that. Again, I go back to the, Yeah, I will give yes. you 40% off stuff right. you don't need. Right.
0: I'm going to tell this guy, have, call my buddy to, Ray. If you to, have you gone to Costco? No, I don't go to Costco. I don't go. Oh. I, I've been there. Okay. but Yeah.
2: Okay. So you go to Costco, you go to buy... You know, it's an old joke. You go to buy a, a couple of pens and you buy 132 pens. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. you
0: know, but, oh, right. but you
2: but they're cheaper individually if you buy 132. I have pens that fall out of places in my house. I'm like, wow, I didn't even know that was there. Oh, I got that one. You know, I bought yeah. it all in the same pack.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I got you. So, well, yeah, I'll stick with the half. You just convinced me. Um, oh. And then he said, everybody wants. The end of the ice that the knights shoot at twice, and I'm like, I don't. I want the visiting team. I don't want to watch Eric Fair and whoever. Well,
2: yeah, but if you're if you're if you were a season ticket holder for the Leafs, you'd want to be where they shoot twice. I mean, that's what. Yeah, that's yeah. what home team fans right. want. I would suggest for the first year, <laughs> at least after <laughs> playing on an expansion team, yes, most of the action is going to be at the other end.
0: Right, which is what I was thinking. So this this guy was really selling me as if I was a Vegas local, going to be a Golden Knight supporter, and I'm like, I'm going to see just about everybody other than the Golden Knights. That's what's going to be awesome. And anyways, so
2: um, yeah, but they got to do it. You got you yeah, can see
0: that. Yeah, no, for sure. So anyways, all right. So I'm doing the half season, um, and anything else, I'll tell him to call my buddy Ray. If you have any,
2: yeah, I'll quick, I'll, I'll help you out for right. sure. I'll have you in a full season in no time. Uh,
0: okay, so we'll talk about your visit to the Joe, and we'll we'll talk about the Sens also. But you made something you made a mention earlier in the show here that uh, caught my attention. You said the playoff races are pretty much set, and that absolutely applies to the West. But I'm guessing yeah. Ray at 88 points, Tampa is four back of Ottawa and and in uh, Boston. You don't think they can make that jump? I mean, it is it's going to be tough, but. Um, you don't like them? Uh, I, 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 don't. I don't love their chances, and this is why. So they're well.
2: Put it this way, I don't love their chances as of the taping of this show. They play Boston tonight. Yep. In Boston, if they can win tonight, that to me changes a lot of things. But Tampa's basically got to run the table, yep. and they're going to play. They're going to play Boston tonight. They're going to play Toronto on two, or on uh, Thursday. Like they don't. They don't have any gray area. They've got to win those games, and I and they can. I just think it's far more likely that they won't mm-hmm. win all of their games. They've been on an amazing run. But I think they're you know, a little bit like Carolina. The run started a little late, and I think they're going to run out of racetrack. I, I just right. don't think they're going to make it. Now, if Ottawa kicks away their game tonight against Detroit, they might be in trouble, basically because they've got no players. Mm-hmm. They're not going to have Mark Mathot or Cody Ceci or Zach Smith for the rest of the regular season. So they're basically patching and hoping everything works somehow for them. But they got a point last night in Detroit, which was huge because they were down 4-2 in the third period. So they got one. If they can get two more points tonight, I think they're
0: probably good. How did you think Eric Carlson looked in his first game back?
2: Uh, Shaky early. Um, He turned the puck over two or three times in the first period. And then for a guy that got on a plane – mid afternoon and got to Detroit at 4:48. 48 um, played 30 minutes, had a goal and an assist almost had a couple other plays yeah. that could have gone in for him. Um, I, I just happened to be a huge Carlson fan.
0: You do. And you the are. more I've yes. watched him
2: over the last couple of years, Steve, I'm telling you, man, the more I appreciate him. I think he's just a, a brilliant player. You can, you can find guys that play safer. Sure. You can, But they're not anywhere near the player Carlson is. Carlson is—he's not even a high-risk player anymore. I think he used to be. Used to be up on a wire most of the time. Mm -hmm. Now I don't think that. Um, And I think a lot of that is his his maturity of the game and understanding what when's a good time to go and when's not. But also, just the fact that I've watched him more, and the
0: more that I watch him, I think the more that I appreciate it. That leads us into our first Twitter question from mbarber86. He says, uh, yes, Ray, hi. As a Senators fan, how effed am I this week? Incredibly or just very much so? Do you think they hold on? Never mind getting reliefs, but do you think they hold on to that last third spot? Yeah, I,
2: I think they're going to make it. I, I do. Yeah. I, every time I think this team is going to take a left turn and smash into a wall somewhere, mm-hmm. they find a little resolve. And Like last night, they were dead. They tied the game up at 2-2. Anderson had given up two terrible goals, both of them from below the goal line, which is hard to do. <laughs> and they ended up tying the game, and then they gave up two power play goals in five minutes. But Kyle Turris scored 22 seconds after the 4-2 goal to make it 4-3, and then they get a goal from Frederick Klayson, of all people, to tie the game up. Like, they were dead. If they lose that game last night, they're in a heap of trouble. But they in regulation, yeah. they end up getting the one point, and the overtime, I'm telling you if if people didn't get a chance to see it, find it. It was one of the best 5 minutes that you're going to see. There were 12 shots in the 5 minutes, I think four breakaways.
0: Right.
2: It was outstanding, outstanding entertainment.
0: Yeah, it uh, I I got to find that. You you and others people were talking about it for sure and it looks sounded like it was it was awesome. So, um your final game—you tweeted about this yesterday. Your final game at the Joe. I've been there a couple times. Nowhere near. Don't know near. Nowhere near as much as you do. Playing it and then broadcasting from it. Uh, it was kind of a dump, but like every one of these old arenas, it had charm. right? and Joe Lewis. Uh, they're replacing it next year, uh, so the Joe Lewis Arena is gone. Um, thoughts on that?
2: Well, um, I played in the Boston Garden and. Maple Leaf Gardens in particular and um that I'm gonna make the comparison to Joe Lewis Arena and they were historic, unbelievable old buildings with great history to them, um, which really added to the charm of it. They were built in non symmetrical ways, you know, like it's not it's not the cookie cutter style arenas that we see now, which are obviously built for revenues and boxes and you know, there's only so many shapes you can build for. Yeah. Yeah. So these ones all had old Old quirks to them and character, and but at the end, they all needed to go. Like, they, you know, like even stuff like that, the bathrooms were beyond gross. You'd go, like, in even the locker rooms, you'd go shower and you'd hope you get there early because you kind of run out of hot water. You know, it was gross in those places. And and so the Montreal Forum was different. I don't know why, it was just a, <laughs> right. a cleaner, classier, well kept. Old building, I thought it was a shrine, and I really of the buildings that that got knocked down uh-huh. or or taken away, that was the one that that I really felt a loss to i I love that building, most of all the old ones. Joe Lewis had Stanley Cup champions and you know historic players that played through there, but it's time to go and for myself personally i mean i um you know I had some you know some great memories there i you know I got picked to an all star team uh, I was in the building when I was told. I went out that night and uh, got four goals and an assist against Detroit. Uh-huh. A, when I was with the Islanders, um, I played my last game there with St. Louis in May of 2002, and then my son Landon played his first game there, actually against the Maple Leafs. Yeah, and uh, I never thought of that. You know, right? So I mean, our our family had um, had some pretty cool stuff happen at the Joe, and and it, I noticed the real sadness to the people that have worked there for. Yep. Thirty years. Yeah, know? apparently it's full of. Yeah,
0: apparently it's full of people that just have always been there. Always, always, always been there.
2: Well, now just think of this. Not only did they work for the same company, but they parked in the same spot. They right. entered through the same door for forty years. Yeah. Like their entire adult life, work life, has been in one place, and it's. And, and they were handing out plaques yesterday. And taking pictures at Center Ice with some of the longtime employees. This was before the game, and you could—I'm telling you, Steve—you could sense like a sadness. You could see it in their faces, and it really struck me. It's like for us, we're all saying, "Yeah, Yeah. last week of the Joel, trying to celebrate the memories." And they're like, "I mean, I I think it probably makes you look at your own mortality too. Like, man, you know, like I've been working here for 40 years. Right? Where the hell did that
0: time go?" Um, I read something about the arena itself, and the boards were made differently. They were made with some sort of different plywood or something on there, and to 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 produce different bounces. Yeah, do you underneath
2: re- uh, on the yellow part. Okay. On yellow okay. Part, okay. So they were wrapped in a
0: sort of a plywood, and that's why
2: those they were so bouncy. And apparently, they can't do that anymore. I'm okay. Not really sure why. Right. But the new building won't have that, which is a shame. I see. I like. I like quirks. I like, yeah. Yeah. I like things that are a little different. I love Fenway Park because of the mall, uh, because of the wall. I love that some of the old stadiums, there was no foul territory. Mm-hmm. I just, I love that stuff. Now you can't change the dimensions of a football field or change the dimensions of a hockey
0: rink. So there's very little difference that can happen. Those boards made the Joe unique. So I was going to say, so you knew this as a player? Oh, for sure. Okay. All right. Yeah. you, you could, yep. you, you know, you, you know, anytime
2: like you would shoot the puck off the end, you know, off the bottom of the boards, it would come flying out into the slot. Nick Ledstrom made it an art form. You know, sometimes <laughs> he would shoot it like literally ten feet wide. Yep. If he was at the right angle, and it would hit in the corner and come straight back in the slot.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice. You know, like it was, right. it was an
2: amazing thing in Buffalo at the old auditorium. They had these really soft, squishy boards. They were awesome to get hit against. It was like, yeah, kind of like yes. landing in the pillows. Right. But their trainer, this big dude, he would, the equipment guy, he uh-huh. would stand at the Buffalo end of the ice, where Buffalo was on um, offense yep. only once in the game. And he would stand right at the door where the Sabres would enter. And when they would dump it around into our zone, uh-huh. every once in a while he would kick the door. <laughs> and the door would, like the puck would just shoot randomly right out into the slot. Oh, nice. And everybody knew it. Right. You know, everybody knew it, but yeah. you can't, I mean, I guess there is no rule, hey, you can't stand by the door. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. anyways, that was like a little quirk to the auditorium, and I, I, I miss those quirks because all the buildings are, they're kind of all the same. You know, they have different amenities, and they got the seats in different positions and all that stuff. Right. But the rink is
0: just the rink, and I wish they could be a little different. The guy with the kicking the door, though. That's awesome. That's great. Um, last week on the show, and we're coming up with Jeff O'Neill here shortly, uh, and, we'll, and we're going to talk Olympics. I want to get into the Olympics, but we need a little bit more time, so we'll do it after O-Dog comes on and talk about that decision and, and, and what we think of that. Um, but last week on the show, Ray, I asked you about the Pacific Division. They were all tied, uh, Anaheim, Edmonton, San Jose, and uh, Sharks were dealing with some injuries, and you said, I, I just don't like, I think it was Logan Couture. You's like, I, I don't think he uh, he's a big Key to them. I don't like them to hang on. And Ray, you're right. Yeah, because he yeah. got because he got hurt. Right, and and then now Joe Thornton got hurt. And do we know? Last I heard, he was just getting a checkup. He, he obviously limped off the ice. He was struggling to stand. Do you anything new on that? Well,
2: you know, I, I haven't heard. I haven't seen any update on mm-hmm. Thornton's position. But you know, after going through enough knee troubles in my career, that did not look very good. No, the way that knee bent, at the angle that he bent at. Um, I'd be real surprised if, if if he's back in time immediately. It's a, another big blow for them. Uh, they've had trouble keeping pucks out of the net. They've had trouble uh, trouble scoring goals, and now you lose Couture and Thornton, who are obviously part of those big four or five players that carry a lot of the mail for them. Um, I I do think they're they're a team searching a little bit here, and it's I guess it shows you that. You know, look, you go to the Stanley Cup Final one year, mm-hmm. but your margin for error still in this league is very, very slim. More than it's ever been, and and San Jose's for the last month have been on the wrong side of it.
0: I think they'll hang on to that third spot. They're three up on Calgary right now. Um, there's only three games left for them, but uh, I think Anaheim and Edmonton are, are checking out, and they're going to battle for first. And Anaheim's two up right now. With uh, Edmonton's got a game in hand, though.
2: Yeah, and um, you know, you, you mentioned Calgary. We'll start there. Um, they're in Anaheim tonight. They've lost 26 straight games there. I don't even know how that's possible. <laughs> right, right. Like, like, how would you possibly lose that many in a row? But somehow they have. So, you know, they've, they've got a tougher row to go because they've obviously got to climb San Jose for Edmonton. I, I mean, this is going to go to right to the end. Edmonton's got that game in hand. Mm-hmm. If they end up tied in points, I believe the Oilers have the tiebreaker. And it's they've been. They've been the equivalent of the story uh, of the Leafs, even though you know their players aren't you know or they're not a rookie-laden lineup. Mm-hmm. It's really the same story though i mean these these two franchises have been bumbling around for 10 years and and here they are with two of the most exciting teams in the league, and um, it's really kind of it's kind of cool for the fans in Canada to see that again after going old for seven last year.
0: Absolutely, yeah. It should be interesting to uh, to see from here. Let's uh, let's bring in the O Dog. What are the answers he picks up? What are the chances he picks up at the scheduled time? Forty seven percent. All right. Let's uh, let's give him a call and see see what he's doing. Well, Ray, forty seven percent that uh, Jeff O'Neill from TSN Overdrive, former NHLer, uh, would pick up, and and he did. Um, so welcome to the show, O Dog. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm going to be totally honest with you. I'm the worst scheduler. Of
1: all time, and Ray discussed what time we were going to do this. And I was sitting having a late lunch, and my phone rang. I'm like, "Who the hell is this?" And then I picked up the phone. And I'm like, "Thank God my phone was with me because I totally forgot." So, <laughs> you it know was well, I was saying? Close to me forgetting before,
2: about it. Uh, I'm telling you, we were we were talking about it on the air before, and I said, you know, Noodles is the most anal A-type organized guy with his crazy yeah. schedule, and I'm like, and, and oh, just just isn't but it, it all kind of gets done somehow like is that is yeah that it's are all the time
1: yeah it's pretty it's actually awful uh, I look at Jamie He he prints up his like he pulls up his schedule and everything's like color coded on his computer have you ever Ugh, seen that jeez and i have to go back with emails from scheduling if i'm doing that's hockey and that's why i wear a suit every day because i have no idea what the hell i'm doing when i'm going to work but i know i got to do something so i just wear a suit and wherever i know when i walk in what people i see what i have to do that day
0: it's an awful way to go about it but that's that's the way i do it it's terrible yeah that's uh it does sound like it but at least you're prepared and you know the weakness that you have so that's that's good um, thank you for coming on the podcast have you done Duffy's podcast, have you done any podcasts?
1: No, I refuse to do those guys' podcasts. But you will do Rays? i I banned them both, but I'll do Rays for sure. <laughs> yeah, the
2: thing is, Duffy's going to get, who knows what Duffy's going to do. He's never at work anyway.
1: Yeah, he acts like it's so tiring. He shows up once a week, he gets the guy with the guitar in there, he gets puffy
0: back there. I don't know what the hell they talk about, but they seem to be having some fun with it. Um, yeah, exactly. Well, we're honored. Thank you for the time. Uh, Jeff, why do you think, and Ray's discussed this a few times on the show, Ray played for six NHL teams and has never been invited for an alumni game. Now, granted, you know, a couple of his teams, you know, the Whalers and and, and the Thrashers have, have moved, but Ray has never been invited to an alumni game. Jeff, why do you think that is? I have no idea. He
1: should have been invited to some of them. I mean, the Islanders, uh, right? Nothing. Yeah, the Islanders, you would think. I mean, I don't know. It's like th- there's some kind of weird system that gets it's like a buddy system for the alumni games. It's like, I know, I only played 2 years in Toronto and I saw the list and it, there's there's definitely politics involved because for the Toronto one there was like these three levels of games. Uh-huh. Some of the guys that were appointing themselves to the games. It was a little bit ridiculous, but Ray Ray should have got the nod for the Islanders one for sure. It's pretty
2: amazing. Yeah, I get, mean, come on. like, Man, I got feathers. I got nothing. It's, just, it's kind of sad. Now, would you, have you played with the Leafs stuff? What's that? Have you played with the Leafs stuff? Like, have you done any of the – I you, mean, there's a million. You know I, have you, have
1: you, I get to go to the small ones in, like, Whitby, Ontario or um, – London, Ontario, to play against the Firemen. When it comes to the big outdoor classic stuff, it's like you slowly go off the list, and your your name is forgotten. So wow. it's still an honor for me. I mean, I even to say I played for the Leafs or playing any kind of their alumni stuff it's still an honor. But as soon as I got a job at TSN, I think they kind of understand that I'm pretty busy, and they don't even call anymore. Either that, or they just flat out or, don't like.
0: It, so well, it's one well, or the other. Well, yeah. What about part of that? I mean, obviously, uh, dog we know that you, you love the Leafs. You're a big Leafs fan, as am I. Do you think maybe, and you're honest, you wear your heart on this on your sleeve when you give your analysis? Do you think maybe, like you know, you've you've gone into Dion, you've gone into Phil when they were there, um, you know? I think you and the, you know you were getting pretty frustrated near the end of last year. Do you think some of that has hurt you a little bit? I
1: don't think so. I'm pretty sure the people involved there. Um, it, it's so funny because I get chirped for being a Leaf supporter and a Leaf fan in my first four years working at TSN. All I ever did was I had nothing positive to talk about, and you're right. Whether that hurt me or not, but I know damn well that the people running the organization during those years know that what I was saying was not lying. There was just some yeah. ridiculous things going on from the personnel to the on-ice performance to um, some contracts that were handed out. It was it was crazy times. There's there's no doubt about it. And I give Brendan Shanahan a lot of credit for walking into a situation and identifying a lot of the problems. That a lot of people in the past have had a difficult time doing because they're just they were making empty promises to people that were just like this team's going to make the playoffs. They're good enough to make the playoffs, and in actuality, they weren't even close, and they were fooling everybody, especially themselves, because the results they just weren't there. Mm -hmm.
2: Oh, when you got drafted, so like you're up through junior and you're you know you're you having a great career. You're ranked really high in the draft. Are you at all? holding hope out that you're going to be a leaf pick or were you thinking you know what I'm I'm probably going to go somewhere
1: else you know what the year I got drafted I don't even know where Toronto picked in the first round but I I I was almost afraid of that situation like the Canadian markets I was almost glad that I went to Hartford because it was just I understood at that age like it's you know hockey in Canada is the biggest thing and if you go to a Canadian market um, and the way I describe playing in Carolina, as opposed to one of the big Canadian markets, is just your slumps are just not talked about hardly at all. I mean, there might be a little blurb in the paper saying, this guy's gone five or six games without a goal. And we all know the difference of that. Um, in, in a market like Toronto or Montreal, when you're a first-round pick and you're not scoring or you're, you're slumping, it's um, it's just a heck of a lot different. So I'm kind of glad that I had the opportunity um, to, to play in Hartford and then down in Carolina. Not to say that I was afraid of the spotlight, but it was just you could do your own thing, and it was it was
0: just a lot different. I, uh, I just checked the draft. Uh, brace yourself, everybody. The Leafs had the 10th pick, but traded it. So just amazing, shocking. They were
2: trading picks like crazy.
0: Right, right, picks. right. But they did have the 16th pick, Eric Fichot, the goalie. But, uh, yeah, so O-dog, no Oof. no chance you were going to fall that low. Well,
1: it's shocking that they traded a first round pick. I know. Like they traded so many, like those years. I mean, even with Sundin era, those years going to the playoffs, they were guaranteed at the trade deadline every year yeah. to just unload anything to just to to bring in a Brian Leach or a Phil Housley or an old Nolan or whatever. Yeah. It was, and when that kind of era ended, they were literally they talk about the. The closets being empty or the storage, they had nothing in the drawers. It was it was nothing.
2: When you hey when you watch the Leafs now, like because I watch them and I'm I'm like so impressed with how skillful they are and how quickly they've turned around. But I didn't grow up a fan of. I didn't really. I was a Bruins fan. I don't really care who wins. Like. Yeah. Are, you, are you, like, happy? Like, are you, like, <laughs> I'm always amazed. Like, how do other guys watch the game? I just watch it, the game goes it's over, and then I leave.
1: You know what? It was, I just like seeing, for so many years, Ray, we, you know, we talked about the organization, how they screwed up, botched up draft picks. They traded draft picks. It's just nice to, that something positive is happening for the organization. I mean, for 10 years after Sundin left, all that the all the talk is that they don't have a number one centerman and something positive happened they won the lottery and they get Austin Matthews and and Ray you know as well as anybody sometimes when you draft first overall it's not a slam dunk like it wouldn't be yeah. it wouldn't be crazy for Austin Matthews to have you know 10 or 15 goals right now and kind of learning his way throughout the league and it's just you know it's it's kind of the luck of the draw and this guy's going to he's going to score 40 goals this year it's crazy to think that a 19 year old kid like that could have an impact like that because I heard you talk about it the other day. If he had 20 goals and kind of 40 points, that's, that wouldn't be a bad year. Like that's kind of, you know, some young centerman, that they go through that learning curve, but this guy's, he's already a superstar. He's already a top 10 or 15 player in the league. So I just like seeing the positive stuff happen. You know, Mitch Marner working out, William Nylander working out, because there were so many years where they're drafting these guys and you're watching it and you're like, what the hell happened? What, what is this guy? Um, so it's like everything Brendan Shanahan has touched is kind of working out and I just enjoy seeing, I enjoy covering it because as painful as it was covering the first four years of my broadcasting, you know, tenure at TSN, it was, it was painful. It was like, okay, January 1st season's over. Let's talk about how miserable they are, how miserable the fans
0: are, how miserable I am and how miserable (laughs) this whole organization is. So it's a nice change. I, uh, I've got a question for both of you guys that I think um, is interesting because you're both uh, – you had great careers in the NHL and you've transitioned nicely into media and everything else. And I'm just a fan uh, watching it and reading it my whole life and everything else. Never been in the room and all that. But I'll, so I'll get both of your takes on this. I'll start with you, Ray. I'll give you some time to think, oh, dog. Um, when you hear the media talk about – or what do you – when the media – what do you hear about the media talking about Ray? That they act like it's a big deal to the players, to the GMs in the room, and you roll your eyes and go, "Nobody really cares, guys. It's not that big." Oh, of a you deal. mean
2: about a about a certain event?
0: Or yeah, something? like what does the media put too much emphasis on that, that you're just like, "All right, guys." Oh, just about anything. <laughs> uh, like
2: you know, uh, a player meeting after a game, or um, uh, somebody. Uh, you know, like the the travel might have backed up, and they got to the rink an hour late. Okay. Or, yeah. You know, like, like look, stuff happens behind the door that most of the time you don't even think about. You're like, uh, it kind of it kind of pisses you off at the time, and then you just go on and do whatever it is you have to do. Except everybody in the media has to write stories and comment on it. You got us guys on overdrive or talking about it every day, uh-huh. and a lot of times. I think the guys, well, they, they hear about it, but I think it's just totally water off a duck's back. They don't even they don't think about it for ten seconds, and what they do think about, they laugh at it, and then for the most part, and then they move on. That, that's what I think. A lot of the extra stuff, other than the games and the right. you know the playoff races, that stuff matters. The rest of it, I, I don't think the guys get too too tied up in it.
1: What do you think, Jeff? For me, it's just like sometimes the emails come through our, our you know, our computers or our phones, and it's like, here, here's a video of uh, Thomas Plekanek and PK Subban. They punched each other in the head at practice. It's like this is insane. This is crazy. Like we have to talk about this, and I. You, sometimes you just have to explain to people because. It's not often in a regular job where you punch somebody in the head and then you go for lunch after and everything's okay, and they have a difficult time understanding that right so it's like this is not that big a deal this is like i've seen, Ray and I have probably seen upwards of twenty to forty fights in practice with our own teammates right it's just. It's bizarre to watch, and it's something that happens because guys have tempers. If somebody's out of the lineup, they're not happy, and they're trying to show the coach that they care. When my rookie year in Hartford, it was an automatic. If a veteran guy was scratched from a game, a healthy scratch, the next practice he was probably going to get in a fight because he was so pissed off, <laughs> and he wanted to show everybody that he's, that he's mad and he cares, and that's just the way it happened. And then guys break it up, and they laugh about it after. And we all go for lunch, you have a sandwich, you have a beer, and it's over with. But for other people, they have a really difficult time understanding that. <laughs> You agree with that, right? Yes. (laughs) I mean, I I, I know if you remember,
2: well, Brad Shaw is an assistant coach with Columbus. And um, we were, you know, our wives were friends. And so he and I were doing some penalty-killing drill, and he's a defenseman. He cross-checked me. I slashed him, and we had an embarrassingly terrible fight. But anyway, it was a fight. Yeah. So practice ends, and I come home after practice, and, my wife says, uh, Brad and Mary are coming over for dinner today. And, uh, and, and I was like, oh, that's funny. We just fought. She's like, should I cancel? I'm like, no. we be fine.
0: <laughs> We're right? fine. So that,
2: I, that, would, that would be, the, that would be a, just an example of how, you know, if anybody was watching practice, it might have been, oh, look at these two guys. They hate each other, and they're going to fight, and bad as it was, and then it's over. We had dinner, and then we had the game the next day, and that was the way it was.
1: Yeah, I I had a a practice in Montreal, and it was a battle drill. And Paul Maurice was pissed off at us because we had lost a bunch in a row. And it was literally the whole team in two different lines at center ice. And he dumped the puck in, and you had to go battle for it. And I was doing the process of elimination, looking at the other line, seeing who I was matched up against, and it was Stu Grimson. And I'm like, (laughs) of all people... Why do I have to deal with this right now? And the puck was in the corner and I hit him and he fell down and I took the puck and I went and scored. <laughs> he got up, even worse Yeah, he chased me around. It, Kelly Chase probably saved my life cuz he just got in the middle and he said this just can't happen. I mean, there's this can't happen. And that was the end of it. So, this is our highly things happen. Go ahead. They just happen in
0: practice. Yeah, it's 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 really goofy and it's it's weird, but they happen and and they get over it. Ray, I've got to ask Jeff again as a Leaf fan and myself. Thanks, Jeff, for scoring that overtime goal. Really great, great job. Thank you. It's really, really awesome. Yeah, that, that was. I lost a few friends over that one. I think all my buddies from
1: growing up were Leaf fans. A lot of them were at the game. Um, I don't even know how the hell Carolina. I don't know how we beat Toronto. I th- I always tell people that I think Toronto probably would have had a better chance to beat Detroit in the finals than we did. I don't know why, but. Um, they just had kind of better players, and we just couldn't get the job done against Detroit. But they, that was that was a lot of fun to come home and play that series.
0: You had Arcezurba and Net looking like he had nineteen seventies yeah, gear. Yeah, you, he fixed his own gear. He wouldn't let the trainers fix his gear. He would sew it. He would take it home. I just, it, it was just he was bizarre. And uh, Leafs didn't even have Sundin, and then they finally get him back, and we're I'm, yeah. we're all like, oh yeah, it's over now because Mass is here. And then no, Martine Jelena. Thanks. So. And it just didn't happen. Right?
1: guys? <laughs> hey, was There was talk in that series. Like It was totally kind of only a few people whispering it, but they're like, why do we want to bring all these? They had a bunch of guys injured at the same time. Mm-hmm. And if you remember, Alan McCauley and Gary Roberts were just carrying that Leaf team. And then everybody came back, and it was like they didn't have the same mojo for some reason. Yeah.
2: Well, it's funny. Like oh, uh, you, you say that, so Tampa's clawing away to get back in the playoffs, and just because Stamkos might come back or Tyler Johnson's back doesn't
1: mean that's better. I mean, they are better players. No. It doesn't? It's weird how that works, isn't it? Yeah, and you know the way I describe it, Ray. I think in the locker room and around pro sports, there's there's positive and negative stress, and even positive stress with a guy like Stamkos coming back can just kind of build a lot of hype and just. It is stress, but it's positive stress. It's just, it's kind of like buying a new car. There's like a positive stress to it where you're like really excited and, and you're just stressed about it in a positive way. And for those guys, just him coming back and the whole, sometimes just mentally, I think you just might take your foot off the gas a bit because you're like this superstar, this 60-goal scorer is coming back in our lineup and it could screw with the chemistry a little bit.
2: You know, we talk a lot about um, all kinds of things on overdrive. Sometimes we even get to hockey, but you know, we 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 don't really. I don't know how much we follow the plot a month down the road. So, you're as Steve said earlier, you're a hard-on-your-sleeve guy. You you got big, you know, big opinion. Do you think you complete? You complete thirty percent of the challenges you give yourself on that show. Playing an ECHL, Um, (laughs) running this marathon thingy, or whatever you're doing. 10K,
0: right, yeah. Yeah,
1: 10K? I think think the 10K is the only thing that we actually – I think I've said I'm going on a diet on that show a hundred times, and I've actually only done it once. So the 10K is the the only thing because we have to commit. We have to commit. Like, we have to do it. Right. Like, Amy registered us, and we actually have to show up. But I went running yesterday, and it's not a good situation. I mean, my knees were sore. My shins were killing me. I felt like my Achilles tendon was going to pop off. It was just, this is like a 22-minute jog I went on, and I couldn't hardly complete it. So 10K is a month away, and it is going to be a challenge. Like, I don't know. I'm going to show up, but whether the completion of it, I have no idea how that's going to happen.
2: Are we having somebody film that?
1: God, I hope not. It will not be pretty if it's filmed. I just hope not.
2: Well, uh, I, 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 I will say one of the, best pieces of the no video way
0: Go ahead, well, Oh, sorry. Yeah.
2: i sorry, bud. The best piece of video I've seen this year was you racing Jonas Siegel down the hallway. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you were that in a, was a tough video I mean, for me that's to terrible watch. Terrible attire. <laughs> and, <laughs> awesome. yeah. and how many times has Jonas been banned from the show, according to Jeff, and yet still keeps coming back? It's like. <laughs> um jonas
1: actually bailed on our show today i don't know why he was supposed to fill in for jamie but he, apparently he can't make it so i don't know what that's all about
0: uh my favorite uh jeff o'neill quote was he was a five-on-three specialist for the brampton battalion and do you think i could be a five-on-three specialist power play specialist i like that one that was good well i think how hard you could is it, to it? I mean, a five-on-three you, just you stand can- there yeah Yeah, no, exactly. Um, Before we let you go, Jeff, uh, on the uh, Ray Ferraro, uh, Paul Pocky podcast, um, we'll talk a little bit about uh, um, you guys together as players. Now, Jeff, you claim that Ray has chirped you when you guys were playing. And, Ray, you do not remember this? I don't remember.
2: I do not remember that. I think it's not true.
1: I wouldn't have done that. Oh, it's so true. It was in Los Angeles. He just went up to me, and I kind of had puffy cheeks as a 19-year-old. Uh-huh. And he just puffed his cheeks out and was staring at me like I was. And I'm like, what are you doing? And he's like, you're fat. Your face is fat. And I'm like, <laughs> this guy is so annoying. Uh, I'll never forget it. But apparently, I, I, that happens to me a lot, too, when people are like, remember that game you did this? And I'm like, right. I actually have no idea. I have no idea what the hell you're talking about.
2: Uh, it's, but, but what the hell? Why would I have been? So by that time I got to L.A., I was probably 30 years old. Yeah. Well, I, I can't even imagine why I would have been pissed off at you enough like we would have never played against each other till that point
1: no it was like right? you just had a moment of of being a dick and you did it and you just <laughs> it was during a tv timeout and i was skating back to the bench and then the cheeks just got puffed out and i'm like oh, this guy is just a pain in the ass and Ray, that was we, the end of it. There, there was never any discussion after that.
0: Ray, we did have Eddie Olchak t- on here, and Eddie, Eddie yep. said, you know, Ray, Ray, said, Ray was always a chirper. Like Eddie Ol's just like yeah, like Ray. Everybody says that about you, like that you.
2: Well, no, I yeah, I did have a like I had a, or do or did, but had a big mouth. Like I, <laughs> I, I just couldn't stop. I don't know what, when I stopped. I felt like I was just kind of on the outside, of the game. Other guys thought it was just nonsense, and even on my own team, like. Wanted me to to zip
1: it, and I wish, sometimes I wish I could have. Were you much of a chirper? Old? I think you would. No, have been actually, like I don't. I had no time for it at all. I, I just I felt the game to be challenging enough. I just had no time to expend energy on finding things to yell at a guy. I mean, obviously, if somebody hits somebody from behind and skates by the bench, you tell them to f off. But as as far as like chirping somebody and just going, I've seen the guys that are literally doing it all game long, and it's just. To me, it was just energy I couldn't waste. But um, everybody's different. Some guys, that's the way they were engaged in the game, and that's how they felt they had to kind of prepare to get ready to play the game. So everybody's different. Some guys do it a lot. Some guys, I I did zero of it because I just, I didn't have, I wasn't good at it and I didn't have time for it. Oh, you played with hundreds of guys. We all, If we played a long time, that's the
2: way it was. Do you have, like, three or four guys that you go, when you think of great teammates that you had for whether they were great players or great guys, you have three or four that just kind of jump right out at you.
1: Yeah. And the first one is uh, my first roommate, Ray it was was Brad McCrimmon. Unfortunately, he was uh, killed in that plane crash in Russia and he was just him and Nelson Emerson and Kevin Deneen, those guys, they really, you know, there's being supportive for a rookie, but they, they took the time out every game. Even if we were getting killed, they would, you know, you know, tell me don't do this or don't do that. And um, it was just a, you know, I was a rookie back in the day where there was at least 10 guys that were 32 or 33 years old. That's just not the case anymore. There's not really older guys to kind of uh, tell the younger guys the lay of the land. So was, I was pretty blessed in Hartford. We weren't a very good team. We didn't really uh, accomplish that much, but the, the support and the veteran guys around there, I mean, if you were a rookie coming up, they they let you know that you had a, you know, you had to learn the lay of the land, and, and those
0: guys were great for me. You, you've said a few times, Ray, on this show, and Jeff, you played with it too, Ronnie Francis, just an amazing, and, and again, being a mentor and everything else, but as a player, just an amazing hockey player. Maybe, maybe Ronnie Francis. Yeah.
1: Oh, that guy was, he was the best. He was the only guy, only centerman I ever played with that said, I don't want to hear you at all. Don't clap your stick. Don't yell for the puck. I know where you are, and I'm going to find you. Because if you start yelling like an idiot, everyone on the ice is going to know that you're trying to look for the puck. So just shut your mouth and go to the slot, and everything will work out. And it was a hard adjustment at first, but yeah. you just go to the slot, and he knows where you are, and it's on your tape. And it was, it was a pretty fun way to play the game. Just get open, and he found you every time. He was an unbelievable player.
2: I found the one thing about Ronnie that I could never mimic was how calm he always was. Yeah. Like he'd have the puck, and there'd be guys falling all around him, and he'd just kind of do his thing and make this incredible play, or things wouldn't go bad, or things wouldn't be going good. He always used to stick like a a throat lozenge on his, glo- on his glove. And uh, he'd come back to the bench and take out his vault guard and stick this throat lozenge thing in, and I'd I'd be like breaking my stick and you know, right. I was so frustrated. And he'd come back and take out his throat lozenge, and
1: I don't know. I just I guess that's the way he is now too. When he manages, he's just calm and steady. It's really yeah, pretty he, incredible. He never he never wanted any panic. He like he used to go nuts when I tried a high risk play into the slot and we lost possession. Uh huh. He he would just be because his, his, his money play was, you know, throw it behind the net and get it to me and I'll make a play. And he just hated a loss of possession because he always wanted to have the puck.
0: All right. Well, hey, Jeff, uh, thank you for your time. Great work at TSN Overdrive Show as well and uh, tsn.ca website uh, and uh, calling the uh, analyzing the games and everything else. Great work. You're one of my favorite guys to, uh, to listen to. And thanks for your time on the uh, Ray Ferraro podcast. All right. Anytime. Anything for Ray. Thanks for having me, guys. Okay, we'll argue later today. Oh. <laughs> okay, buddy. See you, man. All right, see you later. Later. That was great, Ray. Uh, thanks, to Jeff, for coming on. Thank you for uh, for getting him on and uh, interesting stuff. One thing I wanted to ask him, we ran out of time. Like We talked about Ronnie Francis, right, and you're, you're friends with him. And Mark Bergevin, mm-hmm. another teammate of yours, right, at some point, I think you played with Bergey? Yeah, I played uh, with him a little bit in St. Louis. Right. Do you feel like you guys get anything from these guys that other media people do not?
2: Um, no, I mean, I, I don't, I don't chase the scoop. I don't, you know, like it's not really my job to unearth stuff, but if I wanted to call Ron in particular, um, and maybe ask him about a player Mm -hmm. that I, that I don't know about, you know, that I have a game coming up, maybe one of the Carolina players, or if I were, you know, any, any, it's funny, like a lot of the guys now that are general managers, you know, are our vintage? Yeah. So, yep. I could text Ron Hextall, and you know, because I played with him. Right. But I, I don't, you know, I don't ever do that because I don't. Unless it's got something to do with my game, I don't. I don't want to bug these guys. They got enough people trying to weasel information out of them. Yep. And so I just, I just don't do it. And 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 to get information, I know a lot of guys in the media love to get information so they can tell somebody else in the media so they can make themselves feel like they're really connected. Right. And I don't really care for that. Like I don't, like I hear lots of things and I'm like, Oh, I didn't know that. Right. Because I'm not, I'm not chasing it around. My job is to analyze the game, look at the league and have an opinion on the league and be as fair as I can. That's what I kind of have my job description at. Bob McKenzie and Darren Drager and Pierre Lebrun, Those guys are, um, they've got to find that information. And so they would be in more contact with those guys.
0: Right, right. Okay. A couple more things before we wrap it up here. Uh, Paul Pocky Podcast, uh, Jeff O'Neill, thanks for coming on, and uh, the great Ray Ferraro as well. Um, So the big news that came out yesterday was a bit of a shocker. We've touched on it a few times on the NHL players going to the Olympics in South Korea. And uh, it's official. The NHL said they are out. I don't know how to feel about this. I, uh, I'm not happy the NHL, I'm not happy they're not going. I'd like to see them. It's it's great, of course. I think everybody likes that. I'm not a fan of the NHL saying that the NHL PA is a little to blame here. Um, but then again, the IOC, I mean, the NHL players are making the Olympics uh, money. They are, uh, you know, the number one event. Maybe Maybe women's figure skating is bigger, but other than that. The NHL, the, the hockey finals are the biggest event. And the IOC is just like, yeah, no, you can't use our, you can't use our video rights. Uh, we're not paying insurance. We're not paying this and that. So I blame the IOC a little bit. But in the end, we all lose, right, as fans.
2: Well, I mean, the Olympic tournament is, in my opinion, outstanding. I love it. Um, I like the Olympics, though, too. So if the NHL players aren't going, I'm still going to be really – Involved and interested uh-huh. in Canada versus Sweden. I'm I'm going to love it, even if I don't know the players. I don't necessarily you know don't know them as well as the NHL players. I don't know um, a lot of the athletes before the Olympic cycle comes up, right? And then I'm engaged in them. Wow, that swimmer's really cool. I like following him or her. Or wow, look at that um, look at that downhiller. I like. I get into the downhill skiing. I never watch it in between the Olympics. Right, right. I watch it in the Olympics. I don't know who these guys are. And then I'm like, oh, my God, look how athletic he is. Look. I, I appreciate the Olympics for what they are. The IOC, I think, you have to look at them like they're a, bit, they're a company. And they, anyone else is working for their company, even though it might be listed as a nonprofit or whatever the hell it's listed as. Right. You're working for the IOC, They don't want to give away the video rights to hockey because if they do, then they've got to give them away to everybody else. And that devalues their company in their eyes. The fact that they don't want to pay the insurance costs um, is something they're going to have to deal with. If they want pro athletes to be there, because it's not just hockey. Now they've got golf in the Summer Olympics. and They've got basketball. I mean, you're going to have to get into these insurance costs that you wouldn't have for amateur athletes. I mean, once upon a time, the Olympics were for the best amateur athletes. They're not anymore because the IOC in their thirst for profit Mm -hmm. wants the best athletes, the pros to be there when it's possible. So that's where I, I see the IOC stuff. If anybody thinks this is anything other than business, they're completely naive and they live in 1974 (laughs) because this is only about long-term negotiation and long-term business. And there's, the NHL has always looked at things that way. The IOC and the International Ice Hockey Federation, the IIHF, they do as well. And the players should do it more. See, I think the PA fell asleep at the switch here. They can all complain that they're not going to these Olympics. right? But when they went through that last lockout and that, that negotiation, which was they were at the end, you're horse trading a little bit, nobody thought it was important enough, or they thought that the owners would always be on board, to not have this ironclad that NHL players will play in the Olympics. So I think the PA dropped the ball in not having that right. in the last, last CBA. And I think the owners are a little bit misguided and myopic, that they only view the NHL, they don't view anything else. Maybe they view that this Pyeongchang excursion would be such a, a loser for them that they don't want anything to do with it. But I can guarantee you, in 2022, they're going to be in Beijing. And in 2026, uh, they're going to be in the United States if the Olympics come back to North America. If it's United States or Canada or some kind right. of uh, North American Olympics, they're going to be here. They're, of course they're going to play. And the IOC is crazy. If they say, well, if you leave, you never can come back. That's garbage. Everybody knows it is. Because it's now transparent and apparent that it's about – all of this yeah. is all about business. The sport, yes, is the sport. We love the sport. But it's business, business, business. Those are the first three things to think about. And there's a great line, if you're ever unsure how something's going to turn out, follow the money.
0: Yeah. And if you follow the money, you're going to get to the answer. And that's what this is about. If anything, Ray, this solidified the fact to me that the PA and the NHL are, um, are going to be at war again here when the next bargaining agreement opens up uh, because I didn't like the PA saying, no, we don't want to do the extra overtime, whether it was, I think it was seven minutes or maybe it was 10, whatever it was. The PA said, no, we don't want to do that. And then now the NHL is like, no, you know, no, no, no Olympics. And I just hate all these two. I don't like how NHL put the PA in the press release a little bit. I not good for either side. I just hate that mom and dad are fighting again.
2: Yeah. I, there's I, I think one thing that came out of that last lockout, I remember Gary Bettman talking about this grand partnership yeah. between the players in the league. What a bunch of hogwash that is. Right. And and maybe we all felt because we hope, hey, maybe they can work together in the future. Well, that's good. We can hope that, but they're going to bang heads again. I, I'm with you. It doesn't, it doesn't, the optics don't look very good, for this deal not getting opened up in a couple of seasons again. And it's a, it's a shame. I mean, eventually, it becomes part of the business practice of the league. Play for a few years, yeah. have a lockout. Play yeah. for a few years, have a lockout. Like it, I've never understood, even though I, I do understand that nothing gets done until there's a deadline, I've never been able to understand why they can't start chipping away at issues that really matter but aren't the forefront issues. So you start to build a little bit of common ground towards a lockout before waiting to whatever the date is. And then all of a sudden the hammer drops, and, and everybody knows where, what yeah. the resolution
0: is. It's a lockout. Everybody thought the NBA was headed that way with all the new TV money and, and the, the, spot, the, the crazy salary caps that were going to be pumped into the league because of the TV money. And they worked it out. Baseball, which was once the worst, has only had one now. In 25 years, the NFL I don't believe uh, has won won since the 80s, since 89 or whatever, 88 or something. Yep. So you just look at the other three leagues, and they they can pull it together, but yet hockey can't. It just pisses me off.
2: So. Yeah, it's it, it's really sad, and I'll, I'll tell you one thing about you know when you you look at other other leagues, and you know you brought up the NBA, and for a league that I you know that I don't follow as closely as, as right. some of the others, Adam Silver hasn't. To my knowledge, missed very often. No, nope. I mean short tenor as commissioner. Yep, he's been on it. They have been proactive. They've been opinionated, uh, in you know because they've been put into some pretty public situations. The NFL, they succeed in spite of themselves. I mean, they get yeah, just about right. for a league that we used to say, "Oh, the NFL never gets anything wrong. They never get anything right." But they're still extremely popular. Our uh, our sport. Um, has never found a smooth path, and it's really sad because um, because you, you get you just get a little more cynical each time. And right now there's yep.
0: so much cynicism, it's really a shame. Uh, a couple of quick hit questions before we wrap it up. At uh, Paul Pocky uh, on Twitter, uh, Owen says, Do you think Boucher and Gullitson can be considered candidates for the Jack Adams Award? They're being overlooked. Uh, touch on that, Ray, and then maybe give us your three finalists and who would win.
2: Um, yeah, they can be considered, sure, but uh, I wouldn't I would put them in a in a B group. Um my my three finalists are um and and my votes will, will go to uh John Tortorella, Mike Babcock and Todd McClellan. Um I don't know that anybody had those three teams for the positions that they're in now. Um I I had Bruce Boudreaux as a front runner uh-huh. for a long time and of course the Wild have backed up. Dibouche through really no fault of his own, but a, you know the, the the team just fell apart health wise. They've backtracked a bit. Uh, Glenn Gullitson started out so poorly this year; uh, they were actually talking about whether he was the right guy for the job. Yeah, and you can't, to me, you can't win the coach of the year for a two and a half month stretch. So I, I would say, if I were voting today, um, I would probably vote Va- Babcock, Tortorella, McClellan.
0: I would put Quenville in there. I mean I know they've got Yeah, but
2: I only got 3.
0: I know, but well, Quinbo would be yeah. in there. Who are you taking out? Uh Tortorella. Yeah. Why just because you don't like him? No. I think Torch is great. He's a dog lover. I'm a dog lover. Yeah, but but I mean like Columbus, yeah,
2: Columbus but, wasn't in the playoffs last year and everybody wanted to say, you know, see it's partly because of him because he can't coach any any or can't coach anymore. Yeah. No, and he was they're getting... over 100 points and You know, I I would say he's done it with a roster that doesn't have the top end, certainly, that Chicago has.
0: Um, Kevin Murray says, what crop of players does Canada pull from the Olympics? Uh, Can CHL, AHL players go, or only sort of non-affiliated Canadians, like a Spangler Cup roster?
2: Well, I don't don't know anybody, and nobody really knows the answer to that. I mean, this is so brand new. Um, I don't think any of the teams have any idea. The league hasn't said what they hope to happen. Right. as far as CHL players, I find that highly unlikely because most of them will be gone for a month from mid-December to early January uh, for the World Junior Tournament. I can't imagine the CHL, the Canadian Hockey League, is going to say, okay, it's a good idea, too, that now you can leave from now, have a training camp, and then go to the Olympics, too. So you lose your, your top players for two months because it's a business there, too. And I, I don't, I don't right. see why why that would happen. I think there will be... Um, my guess, my hope is that there will be players um, that are not on the NHL roster that will be made available. Um, there will be European pros, uh, yeah. guys that play in Europe, sure. that will be available. Um, a lot of those names you're going to know because they're guys that played in the NHL just a year or two ago, yeah. and they're still very good players. The other thing is um, to remember too is you know the other countries are going to be in the same boat. Yep. So it, it's going to be um, it, the roadmap is going to be interesting. How what the rules are to put a team together, um, but I I know that I'm going to be really interested anyway because when I see Canada playing at a tournament, I'm really interested in it.
0: You're into it, right? Uh, a couple more. Yeah. Chris Chelio says no veterans will want to sign with the Leafs and play for Mike Babcock. Uh, I'm sure you saw the quote. Chalios, yep. uh didn't wasn't a fan of Babcock, uh, but. Um, I didn't find his statement totally accurate. They did sign veteran free agents here and there but what would you th- what' you make of that
2: well but but like a lot of things in in the media i mean it's it, you know they you take the clip of the quote and that's all that's there you don't read the answer that's all below it, which yeah. is you know quite a lengthy answer and I don't think anything Telio said was wrong He said if you're a veteran um and you're not you know a in a good place with your game, he won't play. You're going to yeah. you're going to you're going to have a real difficult time with with Babcock, and there are plenty of veterans that had a really difficult time with him, and it just didn't work. I mean, Stephen Weiss was a you know Babcock wanted him to come to Detroit. Um, that didn't work out. Some of it with health, but he was already playing on left wing where he'd never played before. Like, that didn't work out. Val Philpel had turned down a no-trade to come his on his no-trade. He turned down a deal to Toronto, and yep. you know, he'd played for Babcock for seven or eight years, and and he didn't want to come and play for him again. Um, what happened with Lupul and Robodon, and those guys, I think, would be a, a slight concern or a consideration right. for, for the players, but um, I, I would... I would think if that's the case, you would, you would want to clear or get more clarity from, from Mike and or the management to where you fit in. And those guys all came from somewhere else, mm-hmm. from some other regime. And quite frankly, most of the guys that were here, when, when Babcock and Lamarillo got here, most of those guys aren't here anymore. They wanted their own team, and that's what they're getting.
0: Uh, last thing, Austin Matthews broke Wendell Clark's record for rookies' uh, goal uh, scored by a rookie, and no mention of it on the, in the game. Nothing. Very odd.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why they didn't do that. I mean, um, certainly we were surprised on the broadcast, and right. um, I actually um, laid out, uh, as did Chris Cuthbert, who was doing the game, assuming that when the PA announcement came, that there would be, you know, setting yeah. a new Leaf record or. There was nothing, yep. and um, wow. I just don't agree with it. I, I don't agree with it. It's a hundred. Yeah, it is, Lou. For sure, yep. it is. Yep. But it's a hundred years of history that has just been set, and it should be celebrated. And it, it's not to. It's not for the player. Something like that is for the fans. Let them celebrate what they just saw. Yeah, and, and I, I thought it was a miss by them, a misstep.
0: Yeah. And they love Wendell. People loved him, and they could have shown him on the jumbotron and everything else. Yeah, right, you right. could have put them both
2: yep. on a split screen. Yep. And yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent.
0: Wendell works for the Maple Leafs. He's you know he's very loved, and just have him wave and yeah. But, it, but
2: it's got nothing to do with Wendell. That no, like that yeah. to me is about see the team is bigger than any individual. Yeah. I hear it all the time from Lou, and I get it, and I understand that. But this isn't about the player, as I said earlier. This is about the fans being able to celebrate something really cool that just
0: happened. Yep. Absolutely. I, I wish they would have done it. But uh, anyways, Ray, um, Caps-Leafs tonight for you on Tuesday. Uh, Neuwirth is starting. Uh, it's a back-to-back for the Leafs. I'm okay with a loss tonight. They've been on fire. Caps are great. They're my pick to win the cup. It's okay if the, the Leafs take a loss tonight. I'll be fine with that. But just play. You well, know, I just play plug
2: away, game to game to game. Yep. So it'll be Neuwirth versus uh, uh, versus in and goal. And... Yep. Leafs will look to put another couple of bricks on the wall and try and solidify their spot.
0: Yep, absolutely. Uh, Paul Pocky uh, on, on uh, iTunes and Stitcher and paulpocky.com. The great Ray Ferrar. We thank Jeff O'Neill for coming on as well. And uh, thanks, Ray, and uh, we'll talk next week. You betcha. Thank you, Steve. Have a great week. Feel better.